I think if you're a believer in Jesus long enough, you'll hear some weird things. It just comes with the territory. Well, And people are trying oftentimes to be helpful. Yeah, they're best. Except, but they're ill-informed. Right. Um, biblically illiterate often, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes insensitive. Yeah. Shane Pruitt's with us. Shane's written a wonderful work called uh, Nine Common Lies That Christians Believe and Why God's Truth is Infinitely Better. Shane, welcome to the show. Hey, so good to be back on. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Really honored. Our pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're excited to have learned more about your own story, um, Shane. So why don't you share that with our listeners? How did you end up, talk about your, the life circumstances of your family, which caused you to, to start to realize that people are trying to help you out by saying nice things, but it's just not really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I have a wonderful wife named Casey. We've been married almost 15 years, and we have five kids that are 12 and under. That is a prayer request. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, our two oldest daughters are biological, and then we have a six-year-old son named Titus. Titus adopted from Uganda. We have a three-year-old son nice. named Ellie adopted from Texas, and Glory, 20 months old, that's uh, adopted from Texas. Um, our six-year-old son that's adopted from Uganda has a lot of special needs. Um, he has cerebral palsy, epilepsy. He's in a wheelchair, suffers seizures every day. Um, and in the year that he came home, that first year, I mean, you try to prepare yourself, um, but there's nothing you can truly do to prepare yourself to watch your child suffer and, and mm. to prepare yourself for a child with extreme special needs. And so that first year, um, at that time, I was a pastor. Now I work with a convention of churches and travel and speak. But at that time, I was pastoring a, a church, and, and we were just struggling watching our son suffer. And all through that year, you know, well-meaning people would say things like, well, you know what the Bible says, God won't give you more than you can handle, or, yeah. or you know, God will never give you more you can handle, or, or you know, if, if the Lord calls him home, then God will gain another angel, and, and those kind of things. Right, right. And through that year of just really struggling, at the end of the year, we came to a breaking point, and a breaking in a good way, where we just returned back to the basics of our faith, we just trusted in what God's Word said. We surrounded ourselves with some good counsel and some good advice of people who have experience with raising special needs children. And so when we got in a much healthier place, we began to make a list. What are some one-liners, kind of like God won't give you more you can handle, what are some other one-liners that we, for lack of a better term, have adopted into the church, baptized them, and made them a part of our vernacular mm. that aren't necessarily scripturally true, and actually hold us back in our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Shane, I mean, that's an that example of God can't give you more than you can handle. You hear that all yep, the yep. time. I mean, it's just, you know, it's hard to be alive. And so people think, okay, Lord, you know, yeah, give me the strength to do this. Where did that even come from? Because clearly, I mean, th- th- there's not a lot of truth there. Well, especially when you're in the middle of something, that is so the crushing. very last thing that you need to hear from somebody. As No, 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 God won't give you more than you can handle. Meanwhile, and you're your thinking, mind. I promise you, this is more than I can handle. No doubt, yeah. And, you know, and I think they're often said, right, by well-meaning people who are trying to maybe encourage someone who's struggling, right? Because you never say that statement to someone who's having the best day of their life. You know, usually you say it to someone who's struggling. Yeah, but that's not helpful. I mean, even when you say God won't give you more than you can handle, that's putting all the pressure on you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, everything is more than we can handle. Breathing is more than we can handle. If God didn't create oxygen, we couldn't even breathe. But at the end of the day, 
um, when everything's about what you can handle, the pressure is on you, and that's too much to handle. Where mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that if we've been bought by the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of us, then we can trust the power of God. And instead, by faith, us having that pressure on us, we place that pressure on the Lord, and mm-hmm. He can handle it. At right. the end of the day, I think it's God won't yeah. give you more than He can handle through you, because right. it's really driving you to faith. And that's the question. Is it faith in yourself or faith in the Lord? Yeah. Okay, so what about people saying, well, listen, Shane, at heart, God just wants you to be happy. <laughs> sure, yeah. And typically, isn't it said that sometimes people will even use that as a justification for sin? You know, hey, well, <laughs> at the end of the day, God just wants me to be happy. And, you know, we cover that in the book and share a story about a, a, a lady leaving her husband and say, well, you know, at the end of the day, God just wants me to be happy because she was leaving him for another man. Mm-hmm. And, and so typically what we mean by this is, and so I would answer in that chapter of this, is that resting in biblical joy is better than pursuing worldly happiness, because worldly happiness is often dictated by circumstances. So if the circumstances are right, I feel happy. If they're not, I don't feel happy. Biblical joy is much better because joy is not built on circumstances. It's built on a person named Jesus. Mm -hmm. So once again, if you have the Holy Spirit, no matter what you're going through, good day, you can have joy. Difficult day, you can have joy because the person of Christ is with you. You know, you think of the Apostle Paul who wrote in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And as he's pinning those words, he's in under house arrest for preaching the gospel. So, you know, if anyone has a right not to be happy, it's him, but he's sitting there talking about joy. Why? Because <laughs> even in a prison cell, his Christ is with him, you know? Outstanding. Shane Pruitt's with us. He's the author of Nine Common Lies Christians Believe and Why God's Truth is Infinitely Better. We're going to come back to these uh, nine common lies in a second, but let me make a quick detour here, Shane. So uh, people who would use these, and, you know, everybody follows into a trap, well-meaning or not, but I think a lot of it is based upon biblical illiteracy. Mm-hmm. And what do you say to people who say, well, you know, I really love Jesus, and I love to be with my community, I love to worship, but the Bible, I just it's don't get me. it. I just, yeah, I'd prefer not to go there. I mean, how do you respond to that? Yeah, exactly. I use an illustration in the book called the Plato Jesus. And the reason we all love Plato is because we can shape Plato, mold it to be what it, we want it to be. And the moment it's not, we can roll it back up and start over, right? You know. Uh, and so I think the reason a lot of people love Jesus but they don't like the Word of God is really, if we're not careful, we create idols named Jesus. So we, we create this God that loves what we love. He gets mad about what we get mad about. He tolerates what we tolerate. But if that's the Jesus we worship and Jesus we sing to and give to and pray to, then that's just an idol named Jesus. The reason we need the Word of God is because the Word of God will show us the true Jesus, Mm -hmm. show us the true heart of God, and that's the one that transforms lives, not some image of Jesus we've made up and just really is creating an idol. Right. Uh, Shane, uh, John and I have often talked um, about how far afield we have culturally become from actual truths that are written in scripture and you know christmas or easter is your perfect example right Right, you think okay you know christmas is about you know is a really difficult hard story about two really poor people who end up having a baby in a gas station and they're terrified and it's really upsetting and there are a lot of weirdly miraculous things but that are unsettling that happen and somehow we turn that into like santa at the fireplace with a dog and presents it's just very weird how 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 we end up doing that 
that. And I wonder in the same way how we take a person of the person of Jesus who is called a friend of sinners and and a person who's acquainted, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Mm -hmm. And we turn that into God just wants me to be happy and you should follow your heart. I mean, how do we do that? Follow your heart. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Yeah, follow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what, what I think is fundamentally true is that all of these lies stem from one main lie that's at the bedrock of it all. And it's the lie that you know, the, the serpent gave Eve way back in the Garden of Eden of, hey, the reason God doesn't want you to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because in the day you do, you will be like God. Like, that was the great temptation, right? Is you don't need God, be your own God. And you could almost put the words in his mouth, you know, it's your life, do with it what you want, follow your mm-hmm. heart, believe in yourself. And so I think the fundamental question is this, is who is at the center of your universe? Is it you or is it the Lord? Because even if, you, if you're at the center of your universe, and you think God exists for you, but if God is at the center of your universe, you exist for God. And so I think all of these lies stem off from the, the original lie, which is be your own God instead of submitting to the real and holy God. Mm-hmm. That's good. So yeah. by surrendering, right? I mean, that's the key. If you surrender yourself to the yeah. Lord, the creator of the universe, everything's different because... It's not you first. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's even like the lie, uh, believe in yourself. And, you know, that's the ninth lie that we cover in the book. Uh, and you hear that all the time, believe in yourself. Right. And, you know, and, and it's not like God is anti-self-esteem. But at the same time, it kind of goes back to all the other ones. When you believe in yourself and you're at the center of your universe, you're your own God, that, that pressure's too much for that. Like, it's not your job to be God. It was your job to surrender to God, who is very good at his job, you know? And so, like, God is the center of the universe. God is the creator of all. God is king, not us. And so, once again, it's like, you don't believe in yourself. We are created to believe in someone bigger than ourselves. And he will do exceedingly abundantly more through us than we could ever do for ourselves. And so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, once again, it's who's the center of your universe? Mm -hmm. You are the Lord. You were created for God to be the center of your universe, not for you to be that. Yeah, and if you want there to be a creator and a redeemer and a savior who actually is there to help you and to empower you in your Mm -hmm. life, don't you want the real thing? You don't want something that you've made up in your head. No, what's a waste of time? Right, it's like the chapter in Isaiah which says that you, you you cut down a tree and then you put it in the fire and you cook your food over it and the next thing you know you build an idol out of it. How, what power is there in that? Right. We want to know yeah. the we want to know the real God. And you've really helped us in this book. This is a wonderful thing. Nine common lies Christians believe and why God's truth is infinitely better. The author, Shane Pruitt. Shane, thanks for being here again. 